0: And here we are. I'm Cal Brown. And I'm Jack Brown. And this is the Aqua Strength Podcast, where we talk about all things aquatic, performance, and life. Before we get into the episode, I want to take a moment to let you know this episode is brought to you by Aqua Strength Athletes and Jackton Athletic. Aqua Strength Athletes is our online program meant for middle schoolers, high schoolers, and collegiate, even master's level athletes who are still in the water and who want to take their training on land more seriously. So it provides structure at the uh, touch of your fingertips, all the programming sets, reps, demonstration videos, et cetera. And then Jackson Athletic is our program, another online program for us who are no longer competing, but still want to take training seriously, have structure, build muscle, look great, feel great, and all that. So if you want to try out either of these programs, check them out in the show notes. And
1: one more thing, the Aqua Strength Agreement. If this episode or podcast brings value, to your life and you enjoy it, please leave us a review and share it. Thank you. Hi, right, man. Uh, how was your weekend? How's it going? What's new? I see you pretty often, but uh, how's everything?
0: Things are good. Uh, a busy weekend, a fun weekend. It was really cool. On Saturday, um, I, I, Sierra, myself, and a group of friends went to a baby shower for, for one of my closest friends. Uh, it's exciting to see this like next next phase, this next chapter of life. They're going to be incredible parents. I mean, they're two of the coolest people that I know, and we're really excited for them. And, and it was a beautiful baby shower. We had a really good time. And while I was there, you also did something for the first time. You ran a group at the gym uh, all by yourself, I mean, I knew you'd crush it. You did crush it. You've you've been back home for a while now, and you've been in so many groups, been working every week with me. Plus, like, it's not like this is a new thing to you at all. I mean, you worked as a strength coach at Cal Poly. You led several teams and groups by yourself without other coaches being there. And since you've been home, it's like when I'm in the gym and we have a group of ten kids. I mean, it, it's compared to compared to training all by myself, where a big group of kids would show up and I'm trying to bounce all over and make sure everyone's getting, you know, the absolute most attention and tons of focus, which I really do my best and and my head would be spinning sometimes because groups would be so busy and I'm, you know, I'm bouncing back and forth between here and here and I'm trying to make big coaching calls from across the room. Like, Hey, make sure you're thinking about this. And then I go back to this kid over here. It's like, now when you're in there, you and I can cover this gym so easily and I mean, a one, a one to five uh, coach to athlete ratio, or oftentimes there's less. I mean, there could be seven or eight kids in there. There's two of us. It's like these kids are getting a ton of attention, um, especially compared to, to other weight room settings that I've been in where, you know, yeah, I mean, that's, it's, that's how it goes in college. If there's a team of 25, 30, even 40 athletes, it's awesome. If you can have the main strength coach and another strength coach, or maybe a couple interns helping out. But, but sometimes, yeah, at a smaller school, when teams have, you know, a ton of athletes and there's one strength coach for all these different programs, it's like, yeah, you're, you're going to tell them the program and you're going to do your best to watch as many of them as you can, but they're going to have to help coach each other and you're just, you're going to have to make the most of it. And so I think it's so cool that the two of us can work together. And then on days where uh, you're busy or I'm busy, you know, we're still fully capable of running the group by ourselves because it's, it's never more than 10 athletes at a time. That's something that's super special to us. I was
1: talking about this with grandma last night when I was visiting with her. We were, t- I was telling her about how I ran a group on Saturday and she was asking me about, you know, in March when you're going to be gone, how that's going to work with the gym. And I was telling her, yeah, we're, we're going to be open. I'll be running it and making sure everything's staying in order. And that, you know, we don't just have an empty week where the kids can't train. Um, Cause that's kind of the benefit of me being back now. But I was kind of talking about, that a little bit with her and explaining that like yeah I wasn't the I think the reason or you know the the good part of kind of waiting till you know I've been home a couple months now and I just did my first group by myself in the aqua strength gym which you know it wasn't like anything I was super nervous about but I just wanted to wait and be at a certain point where I felt like the kids knew me really well and were comfortable with me so that was my biggest thing it wasn't necessarily like a me being alone or, like, how am I going to do this or what do I do? Because, yeah, like you said, I don't know, at at Cal Poly, like, one of the things I'm super appreciative and grateful for was, like, the experiences I had and a couple times, like, being thrown in the fire and just kind of like, hey, here's a room of, you know, 40 college athletes, whether it's football or wrestling or, you know, volleyball, whatever sport it was, like, do your thing. And, you know, that, that can make you a little bit nervous because, like, I mean, those are division one college athletes. And it's, you know, when I'm still learning, like I'm I'm, a, I'm almost a peer of theirs at that point, you know, not graduated, just working as an intern kind of. And that really kind of like helped me find myself and, and have that confidence to be like, Hey, I can speak in front of these people. I can be my best self. I know what I'm talking about. I love this. I want them to enjoy themselves and just have a good time. And so, when it got to the point where I felt like these kids knew me and we had built a good relationship and we get along well and, and just like that, they see me as, as another coach now, not just, you know, your little brother or something like that. Um, so it was, it just, it flowed smooth and it was a lot of fun. And, um, I guess we'd have to ask them how they think it went. (laughs) I don't think they really, thought much of it. They just kind of like, were like, Hey, where's JB? And I was like, Oh, he's busy right now. We're going to be rocking with me today. Sound good. And they're like, yeah, let's do it.
0: Yeah. And I, I also like to, like, I, I, I knew that it was going to be a great, great situation after a couple months, of course, I knew it was going to be great. But like, I knew this past week, um, for, for those of you that don't know, like, yeah, if I have a smaller group in the gym, if there's, you know, three or four athletes coming to lift, I'll let Cal know like, Hey man, I don't think I'm going to need your help this afternoon. Like, tonight's going to be super busy it'd be great if you could be there and so if it's a smaller group it happened three or four times this week where a small group came in and <laughs> they go like whether they're grabbing a foam roller they're starting to stretch and I'm like hey what's up how are you and they turn back to me and they go hey where's coach Cal and I'm like yeah when your when their first line is asking where one of the coaches is like what you know they're curious like hey where is he he's always here we like seeing him um and I'm like oh you know he he's I I didn't need him with a group this small. Like he'll be in here later this afternoon. And they're like, Oh, all right. Like, well, can you tell him I say what's up? And I'm like, I'll tell him you say what's up and you can say hi to him in two days when you're back here. But like the second kids started asking for you to be in the gym or asking where you are, it's like that they have that level of comfort and you've become the norm for them. And them having both of us, it's, I think it's really special and it's not like, you know, we're never going to have any situations where we're just like randomly bringing someone in for a week or, or a month. Like, there's no, there's no fillers. There's no, you know, Oh, here's a coach that might be all right. Like, let's see how they do because we're both busy. Like, that's not what we're building. What we're building is we both have very similar goals and very similar beliefs when it comes to training athletes. We believe that, you know, they come first and we want to make sure they're getting the highest quality training and that they're getting it year round. And so in my opinion, one of the biggest benefits to having you, it's like, yeah, as much as I would, well, no, I wouldn't love to work 365 days a year. Like things come up in life. I'm going to be going to uh, Italy in a couple of weeks. Like I'm also getting married this year and I'm going to have a honeymoon. Like things are going to happen. And I don't want that to mean that we need to, to close the gym for a week or two weeks and just not let anybody train when you are fully capable of running it basically the exact same as I am. So if you can be there or I can be there or we can both be in there, it's just making sure that these, these kids can get high level training all year long and have a coach who cares about them for sure.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. It's been, like I said, just been so much fun. And now that I've really settled in, it's, it's, it's just like fun to go to work. I don't know. It's, it's hard to explain. You have to, kind of live it for a little bit to really understand. And I know this is what you would always talk about, but I'm feeling it now too. Hey, I had something I wanted to um, ask you real quick before we get into like today's like real show aspect. Um, Also, which is going to be me asking you some questions. We were kind of talking about what we should talk about today. We had a couple ideas, but I I had an idea and I kind of want to interview you today and ask you some things.
0: You got, got me all nervous. I'm like, I have no idea what he's going to ask me by the way. So I'm just like, yeah, yeah. I still don't know. But yeah. Anyway, sorry. Keep going. Cal.
1: Yeah, no, you're good. You're good. Well, we have, I mean, we talk all the time, but like, I don't know. I, I, you're not one to like talk about yourself or like things like that. And I have some things that I want to know and I'm sure it could be beneficial for people listening. You know, like who is Jack Brown? Who is this guy who founded Aux Strength Performance and, and whatnot. But before we get into that, I wanted to ask you, you threw up um, this post the other day. I uh, got a ton of attention, ton of likes. Uh, I was talking about, you know, basically overtraining and how much these kids are doing lately, uh, you know, in the aquatic world or whatever sport it is and, and all this stuff that they have piled onto their plate and, you know, how it how it, at a certain point it becomes, you know, a little bit negative And you got a lot of comments from, you know, doctors and uh, orthopedics and had some discussions with other people. And I just, I want to hear a little bit more about that and, you know, just your thoughts on that and and what's kind of come from that.
0: Yeah. So every now and then I just do like a written post and it's more like, you know, maybe something caught my attention or I've really been thinking about something lately. It could be based off of discussions you and I have had or discussions that are going on in my own head or just talking to athletes or seeing how athletes have, have been, you know, and like where they're at. Uh, when they come into the gym and some of the conversations that we have. And so I, I posted the other day, I just said seven plus practices a week and two plus hours per practice is something I just can't get behind. You'll never be able to adapt and recover, especially with some of the practices that I hear about. The amount of overuse injuries, chronic fatigue, and overtraining that I see in the aquatic world is terrible and things need to change. The change starts in the pool. So that was that was my post. And I, first off, I want to start off by saying uh th- really i'm exposed to the aquatic world most swimming and water polo um that doesn't mean that these aren't the case in other sports i'm sure, i'm sure that other sports are very similar and i'm i know this is controversial in fact i think this this post ended up getting like 40 comments uh most of them were in agreement with me like in fact i would say like 95% or more were in agreement i think two maybe one or two of them were like well what about this what about that and i'm open to the to those discussions and you know, my, I, I guess here's what I'll say. Like the biggest thing for me, I, there are a lot of sports or a lot of, a lot of teams, clubs, all that in this area that have more than seven practices a week. Or there's also athletes who play two sports and combined go to more than seven practices a week. And a lot of those practices are two, two and a half, sometimes even three hours. And then when I get to speak with them, and on a very consistent basis, they're telling me that they're tired, their body hurts, they're sore, they're dealing with some injury. A very common question I'll get is, hey, my my shoulder's bugging me or my back is bugging me. What's something I can do for it? What's another, like, what else can I do for my shoulder? And when you have that conversation hundreds of times, it becomes more of a what can you stop doing or do less of because adding to to your routine might not be the answer and
1: it's not it's not an option yeah. at a certain point
0: yeah and so so you kind of have to break it down and I know it's tough because here's the deal kids don't choose the practice schedule for their team and they don't make the practices and they like, they're the athlete. That's, those aren't the things they're supposed to do. That falls. I mean, it falls under a few different people. One, I mean, yes, if you're a coach, you need to have a really good understanding of how the body works, how it recovers, how it responds to a different stimulus or different stimuli. And Every kid is going to be different. So while one athlete may be able to handle a really high workload because they're getting tons of sleep and they're eating really well and they don't have much else going on in their life, or maybe just genetics-wise, they can recover really fast. But then another athlete is stressed with school and has a lot of work to do and plays a second sport and for some reason can't get to bed before 11 or 12, You know, yeah, part of that is going to be on the student. They need to step up. They need to be able to lock in a better sleep schedule, get their work done. They need to do all that. But it's also something that needs to be known by by all parties, the parents, the kids, the coaches, everyone needs to know and the discussions need to be had. And then a plan needs to be put in place where we're giving the athletes enough work to get better, but not so much that they're in a chronic state of fatigue because that's what leads to these overuse injuries. And, and honestly, they're just operating like, it's very clear for me when an athlete's operating at 60% or 70%, because some of them I've seen for so many years now. And it's like, yeah, Hey, you're not really acting like your normal self. Like how's everything going? And it really only takes a couple of minutes of conversation to hear that their practice workload has been bumped up a ton. They're stressed with school. They're in the water two, three, sometimes four hours a day. They're in the water six days a week, which I mean, to me, I'm just like, I hear that. And I'm like, why, why would that much ever be necessary? And uh, I know this is kind of getting, you know, long and I'm kind of going on a rant here, but like my whole point is that athletes, when it comes to training, athletes need enough stimulus to allow them to adapt and grow and get better. But if they get too much and they're fatigued and they're fatigued day after day, week after week, you begin moving down this very slippery slope of constant fatigue and then there's wear and tear and then there's issues at the joints and the muscles and then mentally they can't operate at the same level and physically they can't train at the level they need to be training at. And it's just, it's just all downhill from there. Like you dig yourself into this hole that's really, really hard to climb out of. And that's a scary place to be. And so it's like, why would we not train a little bit less and just really emphasize the recovery aspect and see what it does? Cause I know what it does. Like I've, I've done it myself. I've done it with athletes. Like I know exactly how low volume training works and I've seen the incredible benefits and I don't know why so many programs and coaches and even athletes at this point are scared to implement that. Like, I don't know why they, the natural thought is that more is better because if you're going to tell me that four or five practices a week that are, you know, an hour, hour and a half, maybe two hours long, isn't enough. I just want to know what that's grounded in. Like that's not, it is. In fact, (laughs) quick, quick sample. Cal, you are now, you, you've been swimming master since you got back home. You lift three days a week. You swim three days a week for 45 minutes per swim practice. You just swam close to your best time ever in a 50 free from the blocks in practice, ever. And in, in, at Cal Poly, I believe you were swimming somewhere between ten to 15,000 yards a day, six days a week. So that's one or two practices a day, every day. Putting in ten to fifteen thousand yards, and at that point you were swimming about the same time as you are now. Well, I mean, what are you, what are your thoughts on that? Like, yeah, you're older, yeah, you're stronger, but like, that that just speaks volumes to me.
1: Yep, make it make sense. I mean, it's it's one thing to like consider it or think about it, but it, when you implement it and you see how well it works. Like you were just talking about going down the slippery slope, like those negatives stack on top of each other and create bigger negatives. But if you look at it from the other standpoint and think about, you know, trying to feel fresh or as good as possible, as often as possible, getting good sleep, having good nutrition, getting the recovery you need, you know, proper dosages, things like that. Those positive things stack on top of each other and create bigger positive things. I'm always operating at a high level now. And that stacks on top of itself. When I show up to a swim practice now or a lift, I feel near a hundred percent every single time. And when you operate at a hundred percent and practice at a hundred percent, I mean, that is a double bonus because you're doing the work, but you also feel good doing the work. And I feel like that right there is so self-explanatory. Like, if, if you want to go and do a bunch of stuff, like, any fool can make someone tired. If you want to go and do a bunch of stuff and, and do it crappy, like, that's not moving the needle. Like, these kids are, are so tired all the time. And, look, I'm not trying to pick a fight or, or start an argument, but, like, it's just so obvious. And the tough part is is a lot of them will put on their their smile and their face like, hey, I'm okay. I can keep doing this. And you have to be able to see through that or or to have genuine conversations or to try and get them to open up because just because like they they act like they're fine doesn't mean they are. And it's I think it's your job, our job as coaches to talk to them and to get a better understanding and to really find out like, hey, is this too much or is this too little and things like that, because there is so much opportunity and room for growth. So don't be stuck. In your ways and like that goes for everyone even if you have a program that is really good or what or like have great reviews or you know the things you're doing you really believe in like just be open to learning like I'm happy to hear you're happy to hear anyone out and talk about these things and that's what's most important and honestly it's not even really a bad thing that this conversation is going a long time because I feel like this is helping me understand better and I I genuinely enjoy talking about this stuff because It is really important, and yeah, I I just I think it's huge, and I feel great all the time, and that is a testament to our beliefs and the things that I've been doing. So yeah,
0: yeah, and and I know like so some of the big points that come up uh, with with people that talk to us, or you know that that comment on my post, like one of the comments on the post was, "Well, what about building an aerobic base?" And like I think this is just such a misconception. I don't think people. I think people like to throw around the word aerobic base or the words aerobic base without fully understanding. You build a very robust aerobic system and you can do so in maybe one to two sessions a week at a fraction of the yardage and distance that I see a lot of people do. Like your aerobic system is built at a very low intensity, just doing continued work with not a lot of rest. So you're working at a minimal effort, you're resting minimal, you can do that. I mean, in some sense, every practice is going to be working on your aerobic system. And the aerobic system isn't something that I see holding back. Like it is not the limiting factor for almost any of the athletes that I see.
1: Can I throw something in real quick? I, I, had, I post a lot about speed work and things like that. And I get comments all the time similar to you about the aerobic base and conditioning and things like that we're not saying that it's bad or that it shouldn't be done, but there is no athlete or swimmer or aquatic, you know, athlete that doesn't get enough aerobic training or conditioning. Like it doesn't need to be advertised. So we're not anti conditioning or things like that. It's just like, yeah, they all get that training and they probably get more of it than they actually need. So I just, I I wanted to throw that in real quick. It's like, yeah, I, I just don't think it's very well understood. Like, How to actually build an aerobic base? Like it's not pounding constant yards every day, six days a week. Like more isn't always better. You just you at a certain point you start going down that slippery slope.
0: Yeah, and you know, like I said, like your aerobic system—it's the the residuals of building your aerobic system—they last the longest. So, again, the windows like seven to fourteen days which means you don't need to be hammering it several times a week. If you're doing big yardage days several times a week, most likely what's happening is, you know, you might think you're building an aerobic base when in reality, you're just making your shoulders and your hips and your knees, all your joints do way more work than they probably want to. And then that little bit of shoulder impingement that wasn't so bad last week. Yeah. Now it's aching. And your rotator cuff is like, what's going on here, pal? Why, why are you swimming 10,000 yards a day? We have an issue. And then when you're not feeling great and your shoulder starts hurting and you keep showing up to practice and you keep putting in the same workloads, it only gets worse. Whereas if you're in the pool four or five times a week, you simply can't be doing as many yards and as many practices. And then in between sessions, maybe your body has a full 12 hours to recover. And then boom, you hit the next session and you're actually feeling good enough to put in high quality work again. You're not just beating yourself up. There's like this belief that like the harder you work and the more you beat yourself up, like you're going to grind, grind, grind. And then in the end, you're going to have this amazing two week taper and you're just going to magically feel good. And what I see most of the time with a lot of the tapers is you have, and I mean, and this goes for so many, like, this is not one athlete. This isn't one program. This is across the board. I've seen it with college swimmers. I've seen it with high school swimmers. I've seen it with club swimmers. I see it with so many different sports. What I see is them getting overworked for months, like overworked to the sense that like they are visibly fatigued and mentally sluggish as they walk around and then they get two weeks of that low volume training and then they have you know a good meet and they're like, oh, the taper hit. And I'm like, no, you just went from being 60% for three months to getting two weeks of like a normal amount of work and you slept better and you recovered better and now you're ripping.
1: And you probably had fun.
0: And that's, that's not what an actual taper is meant to be. So yeah, I think we just need to look at it. Like I think to keep people healthier, to keep them training at a high level, we need to emphasize recovery more. Recovery needs to be a way bigger part of the picture. It means, and yeah, you know, to me, that means no morning practices. Like, here's what I'll say in regards to morning practices, because this is going to sound very controversial. I work in the weight room with two different high schools in the morning. We go from seven to eight. Now, I'm okay with that for two reasons. First reason, 7 a.m. isn't that early to me. Seven to eight, especially since schools start so much later now than they used to. Seven means you're waking up maybe 6.15, 6.20. Some of the kids tell me they even wake up at 6.30. They roll out of bed, they throw on clothes, and they come to school. So we train from seven to eight. The second reason that I'm okay with it is that it's not another session in the water. It is their strength session. So if they're doing that twice a week, taking care of themselves, getting healthier, moving their body in all different planes, giving focus to all different muscle groups, like the, I really see I, I, a lot of the stuff that we do in there, is about restoring and building better mobility, training through a full range of motion, making sure that we're attacking their weak points. I think the weight room is extremely valuable. Then in the afternoon, they have their other session. Now, here's a, another situation where I'd be okay with a morning practice. If you're gonna have a swim practice at seven, maybe you go seven to eight or seven to 8.30, and then you don't have an afternoon practice, I, just, I also don't see a reason for a double day in the pool, unless one of the two practices is like purely skills focused in the sense of only dives or turns, starts, breakouts, things like that, that aren't just repetitive work. Like if the morning practice is a big aerobic set and the afternoon practice is a sprint based anaerobic set, I don't think that's beneficial because you're just taxing the system and sending so many different inputs. Like, how will the body know what to actually respond to? I mean, you're, that's just fatigue at that point. So I, I'm a huge proponent of one sport practice per day, especially with the high schoolers and collegiate athletes, like one sport practice per day. The second session would, would be a weight room session or something completely different. That's not just tacking on more of the same thing. And then, yeah, having a couple days completely off, completely out of the water in the week. I think at least two days completely out of the water is great. It's We're at the point now where like, I, I legit see like a lot a lot of kids will tell me they're nervous to be out Saturday and Sunday or two days in a row because they'll be out of shape come Monday. And I'm like, okay, I'm sorry that that fear has been driven into your mind because that's not how this works. That's not at all how this works. In fact, the two days off and the sleep that you're going to get is going to far exceed any potential benefit you could get from like one, two or three hour practice over the weekend. And, and using practices and saying a practice is active recovery I can't, I can't buy that either. Cause if I hear the active recovery set and it's like four five, 6,000 yards, that is not active recovery. That is thousands of repetitions of internal rotation at the shoulder joint, making those muscles do even more work. That is not active recovery. Cause you're thinking about it from a body stamp from, from their lungs and their heart and that standpoint. But we need to think about the joints, the muscles and the amount of work that their body is doing. Active recovery to me is like, Hey, Let's go do something not in the pool. Let's go for a walk, go for a hike, go for a little bike ride, hang out with your friends, go rock climbing, go do anything else. That's active recovery. Yeah, do it at a low, low to moderate level. Get some sleep, hang out. That's active recovery.
1: Jack, I'm not going to end this quite yet because this feels really natural. And I'm honestly learning a lot just listening to what you're saying. And I, I wanted to bring up something that I think kind of goes hand in hand with this topic a little bit. Um, that we get to talk about a lot amongst ourselves, and I kind of want to go a little bit more into it. I think, um, you know, along with this and these kids and their sports, there's a lot of division in it. You know, if if these athletes have a, a, several different coaches and, you know, authority figures in their lives, you know, for example, parents, maybe they have a trainer, They have their sport coach. Maybe they play another sport, so they have that sport coach. Maybe they have their physical therapist or, you know, an older role model type figure who's there. All these people are are telling these kids things and it becomes, yeah, divided in a sense. And it kind of eats at these kids and can really affect them and their personal lives. And I had a post about this the other day about how everyone working with these kids, these athletes, should be team the athlete. And at the end of the day, it shouldn't be a this coach versus this coach thing. It should be everyone working together to make sure that this kid gets the best experience possible. And I feel like we've gotten so far away from that, and it's so sad to see. And I feel like it could be so easily fixed with the drop of of the whole ego thing. Because everyone... It seems like it's just fighting to be right. And look, I don't want it this to sound like I, I know Jack and I like we're, we're sitting here right now having a conversation about all this stuff and what we think. And, you know, that might seem like I'm going a little bit against what I just said. But look, at the end of the day, we're talking about what's best for the athlete. And that's all that matters. And I think a lot of of what's been happening and what's going on, whatever, has gotten away from that. When in reality, that's the most important part. Because whether these kids realize it or not, like their experience and their enjoyment and their life is what matters most. Not who's right and who's wrong. Not whose practices are the best, what you need to be going to. Not whose program you have to be 100% committed to or can't miss. Like I I care so much about these kids and and just – Their day to day and how they feel, and I feel like that's how everyone should be. And if we could all be on the same page with that, that would be huge. And hopefully, that makes a little bit of sense to to you, Jack, and to whoever is listening.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and I need to be much better with that. I think one of the one of the best ways to be proactive in that is to have conversations. You know, so any I mean, any coach that ever wants to talk to me, let's go grab coffee. Let's hop on a phone call. I'm down to talk, especially if you're a coach of one of the athletes that I get to work with, because. I mean, here, here's what I'll do, for example. So like I'm in the gym, right? Athlete, athlete A comes in. I ask them, hey, how was, how's the week been? How was the weekend? How have practice has been? They start to tell me. And if we ever, at in any point in the conversation, get into, hey, it's been really hard this week. Practice has been really tough. Immediately, immediately, without any hesitation, I say, okay, well, here's my plan for the day. We're going to change that. We're going to focus more on recovery, soft tissue work, mobility, Um, And then we're going to go into a light lift where you're going to pull back. I need you working at a six out of 10. We need to touch on these patterns and I need you to be exposed to a little bit of strength, but not enough to to wear you out. In fact, I want you to leave here feeling better than when you walked in. And that's a conversation we have every single day with athletes across the board. And that's how I believe it should work. Like there is no, nothing that I do is important enough that it needs to be set in stone, that they're going to walk in and I'm going to be like, Oh, I don't, you got hammered at practice today. Well, guess what? Here's what we're doing in the gym. Like you better figure it out. That's so good. What you just said. You you have to adapt. I think the beautiful part of coaching and honestly, the most, you know, powerful part of coaching is the fact that as a coach, you need to be able to make decisions on the fly. You need to be able to adapt and you need to be able to talk to the athlete, ask them a couple questions and know what they need that day, regardless of what you had planned. Because yes, plans are a beautiful thing and you can outline weeks, you can outline months, you can have a training plan for the year. But if you can't take that plan and then find out where the athlete's at in that day and in that moment and make the correct adjustments, like adapt and give them what they need while still giving them, you know, your absolute best, you're missing the mark. Like you're absolutely missing the mark. You can't say, "Oh, nope." Mondays is Mondays are heavy squats, man. That's what we do. We do heavy squats in here on Mondays. Your legs need to be torched, and they come in and they're like, "Hey, we had a huge kick set. My legs are fried." I'm like, "Cool. Then let's do this instead. We're going to do a little bit of hip work. We're going to get you doing some hips, pails, and rails. I want your hips to feel a lot better. I want them to open up. We need to restore some of that range. And then, yeah, we're going to do a spinal flow so that we can get your upper body moving as well. I want you to finish up with a few different isometrics to make sure that, the, that all the tissues in the lower body are getting some good blood delivered to them, and you can recover well." Boom. Have a good day. We'll see you later. Like that's what they needed today, in my opinion. And as I learn, I'm going to give them more and more and more of what I think is best. But it just, it all needs to come from adapting. You have to be able to adapt. That's the art of coaching.
1: Yeah. We're working with human beings, not machines. I mean, whatever you have down on paper can be great in theory, but if you can't adapt on the fly day to day with whatever it is that may be going on in their life, whether it's personal, something physical long day, crappy night of sleep, anything. I, in my opinion, I don't know if you have much business being a coach.
0: I, I want to tell a story real quick and you can tell me if I'm wrong. Cause this story is about you. I think you were in high school at the time and you were explaining a practice where you were just not having a good practice. You, You were at swim practice at club practice. You were not having a good practice. I don't know how deep into practice it got, and I'm pretty sure your coach who we absolutely like love and admire and is just an incredible coach looked at you and said, Hey Cal, I think you should go dry off and go home today. I think come back tomorrow. You'll be ready to work. And I think, I think he told you that. And that has only become a better, like it's only gotten better with age. The, the more I look back and reflect on that story, because at the time, like high school Cal could have taken that as like a what did I do wrong? Am I being punished? Like, why am I being sent home? Why is he telling me to go home? And I look at that now. And I think he saw that you weren't where you needed to be that day. You weren't at the right level. You weren't in the right mindset. You weren't putting in good work. Your body was hurting. You were exhausted. You had gone to so many morning practices that week, that whole month. And he knew like being here isn't what's best for Cal. Cal should dry off and go home and get some sleep and hang out with friends. Like, am I wrong? Is that kind of how the story went?
1: No, man, that's exactly what happened. And um, I know this podcast isn't recorded video, um, but yeah, I'm not going to lie. I just got a little bit teary-eyed. I kind of forgot about that. Um, Yeah, I mean, again, shout out to to Coach Mike, absolute legend. I mean, yeah, you never really know what someone's going through. And I remember that clear as day because I had never been told that before. And you're right, I almost took it the wrong way. But looking back now and having a better understanding, I know that he was just, yeah, caring about me and looking at the greater whole and what was probably best for me in that moment Um, because I was, I just took everything too hard. I was thinking about it too much. I wasn't performing in the set that we were doing that day. And he knew that me trying to finish it was going to be, nowhere near as beneficial as me hopping out and heading home and, and getting some rest. And yeah. So you're right, man, that, that story kind of aged like fine wine and you kind of, yeah. I uh, got a little emotional there for a sec,
0: but yeah. Yeah, dude, I, that's powerful stuff. And here's, here's another story that I kind of want to reflect on. So this is about two, maybe three years ago actually. So I'm, I'm really close to like the start of, I mean, being a strength coach and running my business and, uh, I'm I'm working with this athlete and the other athlete, like this kid is amazing, super nice, super friendly, like very, just, he seemed always relaxed and he was a performer. I mean, he could, he threw up some times, like he was a very fast swimmer. And I remember, you know, him telling me like, yeah, oh yeah. Like if, you know, sometimes I don't go to the morning practices or sometimes I don't do this, sometimes I don't do that. And he was like very relaxed about it. And I was just trying to learn. Like I was honestly asking him questions to learn about how he operates and how he thinks and how stressed he is about life and school and practice and how hard practices are. And I remember at the time, some of his teammates being frustrated about his work level and them saying like, Oh no, that kid, like, I don't understand how he performs so well. Like, he misses or like, he, he won't go to stuff. He goes to, you know, five out of seven practices a week and he does this, he does that. And I know you've said this quote before. Um, but I just, I, I want to say it again, like success leaves clues. It really does. And similar to this athlete, I know like you grew up training with so many stellar athletes, so many amazing swimmers. And I remember in high school, you would call me and you'd be frustrated sometimes. And you're like, Jack, I'm putting in the work. Like I haven't missed a morning. I haven't missed an afternoon. I haven't missed any practices this entire month. I'm working my butt off. I'm going to the gym on my own. I'm doing all this. And you were like listing off all the stuff you were, you were doing as if, as if all that stuff was supposed to equal some level of success. Like, well, I did this. Why am I not getting this? And you would be really frustrated. With the athletes that you're like, dude, like so-and-so, like, I mean, it would be a few kids. You'd be like, like these three kids, like they're not as consistent as me. And then there's some sets where like they don't try as hard as me. And then like they seem super relaxed. And then at meets, like they've swam fast at every meet. And it's like, yeah, they're more recovered. Like their body and their mind is in a better place. And whether that was intentional or not, like maybe it was a beautiful benefit of them being a little bit lazy. They weren't overworking. They didn't have chronic, you know, overuse injuries. They didn't have chronic fatigue. They weren't constantly operating at 60%. They were sleeping in some mornings instead of going to morning. And when you thought it was them being lazy, it turned out that it just gave them a full eight or nine hours instead of five or six, like you were getting. Like they were operating at a higher level because they weren't doing as much work. They were doing enough work. Clearly they were doing enough work. You can't magically swim amazing fast times. Like you can't, I mean, four or five days a week, you, you got to be in the water. You got to be doing stuff. You can't just magically show up unless you're some amazing God-given talent. But like they were doing enough work. They were also doing a ton of recovery. And we, I look back at that now and I think like, no, I had the wrong mentality. We both did. It wasn't that you were doing all the work. You should have got the results. It was that they were doing things the right way and taking care of themselves.
1: Absolutely. And look, as an athlete and and a human being in general, it's so easy to attach yourself to the idea and the potential of having direct instructions. Like, look, if if you're the type of person to be told a way to do something and that you'll get this result and to take that to heart, like, why wouldn't you? And I, I always just thought, like, if I do exactly what the coach says down to the t i will have success and it's a good quality to have in a sense but also you can become loyal to the point of fault because it's almost a little naive to think that any person has the exact directions to becoming successful like it's going to have to be a little bit on your own. It's going to have to be a little bit of you figuring out what's best for you. And I don't even think that the best athletes or the kids who, who you know, kind of run on their own schedule realize that they're doing that. Like they do it subconsciously. They know if something doesn't feel good or it doesn't feel right or they don't like how they're feeling right now, they just won't do that thing. And that seems counterintuitive and coaches and other people like to label those athletes as lazy or bad examples or not hard workers. When in reality, they're just finding the way they're finding the way to be successful and to reach their goals um, in spite of what they may be being told to do. And I think that right there is is the ultimate characteristic like being able to find that way and i think as you know like the athletic community as a whole needs to get away from from labeling that as lazy or you know the bad athlete or talking behind the behind that athlete's back in in front of the rest of the team or the teammates being frustrated with that person like like take notes from that right like success does leave clues it's right there like if that person is having success, don't, don't talk bad about them or label them as, as, as not a hard worker. Like that's just an excuse. Like we're so obsessed with the grind and the layering of numbers and, and, you know, finding peace with, Hey, I did this. So now I'm owed this. Like you're not owed shit, man. You're not owed anything. I thought I was owed something. I wasn't, you know, it's yeah. Yeah, man.
0: Yeah. I dude, along those lines, I had a really cool conversation a couple weeks ago with a buddy of mine. Uh, we, we recently became friends this year. Super cool guy, Chris, shout out to you, man. Uh, Chris is a triathlete. Uh, I met him at, at masters. Like we swim masters together sometimes brilliant guy. I mean, in fact, he's going to be headed to med school soon. Um, and we were talking about, I, I don't have much experience in the world of, of triathlons and, and any of that stuff. Honestly, I mean, I, I've just swam my whole life, but he was talking about how he kind of used to train and how he sees so many other triathletes train and how they really do believe that that more is better oftentimes. And, you know, they'll stack these crazy weeks and months of training where they're doing thousands and thousands of yards in the pool and tons of miles on the bike and tons of miles running. And we were kind of just bouncing ideas off of each other really. Like he was like, you know, yeah, I, I've actually been doing a lot less lately and I feel better And I'm trying to do other things with my life. And like, I also have added in like lifting more consistently. And he was kind of just telling me like where he's at physically and how he's feeling pretty good. And how, and we were, we were kind of talking about like, yeah, it's it's weird that, that some people want to do so much work and think that that's the answer. And I was like, you know, maybe there's comfort. Maybe there's this level of comfort in doing this huge volume of work, because at least if you don't reach the level of success you want, or like you don't reach your goal, you can look back and say, well, I did everything I could. Like I did all this work. You know, it just didn't shake out. Whereas on the flip side, if you do less work and you don't reach your goal, there's that fear in being like, well, yeah, maybe I should have just done more. Like it's easy to justify in your mind doing this huge volume of work and, and swimming and riding and running and having two or three training sessions a day and getting in all this mileage. And then, you know, yeah, if you don't, if you don't get the times you want, or you don't have the race you want, you can be like, Hey, you know what? I gave it my all. But, but yeah, obviously it would be really uncomfortable to do less. And then, you know, your performances are never, there's, there's never a given. You never know how you're going to perform exactly but you can get a pretty good idea. But if you don't get the result you want and you had lower volume training, you know, then you look back and you can really be upset with yourself and be like, well, shoot, like I I should have done more. But I say that because you need to give that option a try first. Like maybe that's the exact thing you need. Maybe lower volume training is going to make you perform at a higher level. And if it does, then you'll know like, wow, wait, I I didn't need as much. In fact, I feel way better doing this. You know, I, I... my workload was 70% as much work, but I delivered a much better result in the end. And, and that's beautiful. And I, I don't have the the details of this story 100% perfect, but I remember listening to one of Cody Miller's vlogs uh, a little while back. And he had said like, he used to be training, you know, all the time, six or seven days a week, tons of swim practices, tons of tons of weights. Like, I mean, he's a professional swimmer. Like that's what he does. And then when he, when he pulled back a little bit, cause he has two kids now and a wife and he like, he started to let himself breathe a little. And he said, when he dropped down to four or five, you know, in the water training sessions a week, and then just prioritized himself and life, he started swimming times that he hadn't swam in years. And he's like, that's kind of when it clicked for me. Like, wow, maybe I was just really overdoing it. And that's coming from someone at the top of the game. I mean, <laughs> Cody Miller's an Olympic champion. Like, that's, that's the highest level. Not to say that all those years of, of lots of work didn't benefit him in some capacity. And in fact, it definitely taught him, you know, what works best for him now. Like, he needed to do that learning on his own. But it just goes to show that, like, yeah, maybe at first he thought he was scaling back so that he could spend more time with kids and his wife and his family and on himself. And then he ends up competing better than he had in years. And it's like... Yeah, that's a beautiful thing.
1: Absolutely. There's examples of that all across the board and, you know, through all walks of sporting endeavors in itself and I I just wrote something down that I wanted to say. Uh parents, coaches, athletes, I have like a a challenge for you. You know, the next time there, you know, is someone on your team or whatever it is that you do that's outperforming you, Take a step back and look at what they're doing. Use them. Like, use that data and those examples they're providing and just take a look at it. I'm not saying that you need to do everything that they do, but success does leave clues, and that's something that I wish I did. Jack, I'm sorry we're not going to get to uh, the interview that I had planned for you, um, but I do want to ask you one thing to kind of close this out because I feel like this kind of goes along well with what we've done.
0: Before you ask me, can I say one more thing? Because it's still kind of on this point, and I know Absolutely. that might be different. So, if you heard this too, and then like immediately, the first thing that came to your mind was all these examples of incredible athletes who did put in a ton of work, and you're like, "Well, what about them? And what about them? And what about them? And, and you want to turn this into an argument, like, "Okay, one, that's totally fine, and that's that's great. Another, another thing I would have, I would ask you, or I would challenge you to think about is. Did that athlete make it through despite working way too much or despite constantly being fatigued and and, and overworked? And did they just happen to be so incredible that they made it out the other end and that, you know, all of that training and all those hours and all the all the work that they put in, like, it, it it didn't hold them back? but they still could have achieved incredible res- results doing a little bit less because survivorship bias is, is a very, I mean, it's a crazy thing. And I think sometimes what happens is, you know, if a, if a coach is stuck in their ways and it's all about high volume training and, and this many practices and this many hours of water time a week, and they have, you know, one or two athletes or, or, or a group of athletes make it to college and crush it in college or even go to Olympic trials or swim in the Olympics. Like if they have all these and then they immediately in their mind connect, Oh, well it's the training that we did that got them there. But you don't take into account all the swimmers that were injured and burned out and didn't, you know, move on to college or their dreams. Those that needs to be accounted for as well because I believe, you know, it's, it's more about how can you help the most people? Like there's always going to be elite level athletes that make it through despite, you know, whether, whether they have the best training in the world, the worst training, something in between, like there are these incredible athletes that are going to thrive because they were meant to thrive. That is just how it goes. And you don't want to get caught in the belief that like you are the reason they got to where they were because like newsflash. That's another ego thing. It's not you. Like you can't, you can't take credit for what these athletes do. I mean, I can't, like I look at some of the kids in the gym. I'm thinking of three kids in particular right now. They've been lifting with me for four plus years, almost five years now. I show them something and they do it better than me immediately. I'm like, Hey, we're going to try this new landmine variation. And I do one rep. No, I do. I do five reps. I give them a a demonstration. Then they do. And they go, how did that look? And I go better than mine, go to work. And that is a level of athlete that like, you can't even coach. You're just giving them a little bit of guidance and you're letting them run with it. And they are so incredible. They can build strength and power. Unlike anyone else, they have this incredible mobility. They can learn just by watching something once. Like I will never say that is a product of Aqua strength performance. No, Aqua strength performance was lucky enough to be blessed with their presence and it is so fun to get to work with athletes like that, but they are they're not gonna turn out the way they turn out because of me. Like they were gonna be that. And I'm lucky I got to be along for the ride. So
1: The best coaches and all of my favorite coaches don't take any credit, even if they coached an Olympic champion. Like, I mean a couple of coaches that I follow every day as closely as possible come to mind like when you just said that and so thanks for sharing that because that was just amazing insight and I just really like this conversation that we've had today and, and to finish it up I wanted to ask you this one question Jack the rest of the questions will be there for another time again I'm sorry we didn't get to that I just I just felt like where that was and where all that went was was really beneficial for me and and hopefully will be for the people who listen to but I wanted to ask you Jack if you could go back and talk to your high school self right now, in this moment, what would you say to him?
0: Wow, that's a that's a big question. That's a tough question. Sorry to put you on the spot like that. <laughs> no, it's good. I, I appreciate that. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I've thought of things like this before, for sure, because a lot of the things that I do now and the way that I see athletes uh, act and respond to things now, I see myself like in so many of these situations. Like I remember them so clearly that I'm, I'm hoping that I can be a resource to them, you know, now and answer those questions. But I would tell myself a few things. First off, I would tell myself to take a breath and relax. And I would tell myself to stop waking up way before school or getting home from practices at night and doing extra workouts. I would tell myself that I don't need to be in the gym five days a week and that I don't need to try and find more pool time or, you know, go to the pool at the gym after I've already gone to a swimmer water polo practice, I would tell myself to stop searching for more and more and more work and to start being a student of the game and learning from those around me. Um, yeah, I mean, I would tell myself to be more observant and to stop relying on work and the grind as, as the recipe. Cause I, I mean, I specifically remember, um, some kids in high school would ask me like, Hey, like why don't, why don't you ever go out to parties? Like, why don't you ever do anything? Or why are you always like, you're always at the gym or you're always at practice. You always have weekend stuff. And I would look them in the eyes and be like, I want to make sure that I'm doing everything I possibly can to get to where I want to go to. And that's facts. Like I I did think, I, I, I mean, I was doing everything I could. I thought I was doing everything I could. Um, what I didn't do well enough was listen to my body. I ended up injured in like my senior year and I was in physical therapy for over a year. And I mean, that was, I'm thankful for that because that taught me what strength training was. And it, it then got me healthier than I've ever been. Um, but, but also like, I remember being that kid on teams so frustrated that I thought other kids weren't working hard. And I was, I was the worker in the group and why, why can't so-and-so keep up? It's just ruining the team. It's ruining the practice. And then we would have a game or a meet or whatever it was. And they outperformed me every time, every single time. And I was always tired. I was always exhausted. My body always hurt. And I just remember thinking, like, why? And then I would see them, like, hanging out with friends and going on family vacations. And, like, dude, I would panic on family vacations. In fact, our mom and dad would give me a hard time because the second we'd leave for a vacation, I'd pack all my workout clothes. And every single day of vacation, I would be doing some sort of workout. Like, I just couldn't get away from it. And I needed to just breathe and have fun let it take care of itself, show up to workouts, but but trust in my coaches and trust in my teammates and, and, you know, watch the teammates that were finding success and try to emulate them more. That's what I would tell myself. And I would also tell myself that like, you know, everything I did was worth it. It took me to exactly where I wanted to be. Like, I I couldn't be happier with life. I understand the benefits of of being a really hard worker. And that, you know, if you want something, you can absolutely achieve it if you go out there and, and put the work in. But I would say that, I would tell my younger self, you know, hard work is super important, but smart work is, is probably more important. And rather than putting your head down and doing it all on your own, the best thing you can do, and this is what I would tell my younger self is open your eyes and your ears way more. Like watch really close what's going on around you. Listen to what teammates, coaches, parents, and people that you respect have to say. Always take notes and always find ways to do things more efficiently you know to do things smarter have the conversation with the college athlete have a conversation with a business owner talk to to the coach who you've seen always support other athletes and achieve greatness and and then you know don't think that you're in this on your own because there's always a team around you and you should be working with the team
1: absolutely um we're recording this on a monday it'll be posted on a tuesday i hope That everyone who's listening to this has an amazing week um go have fun do something you love keep working at whatever it is you're working at thank you guys so much for listening and for all of your support uh again if you enjoyed the episode or enjoy this podcast share it and have a have an absolutely amazing week
0: yeah you guys have a have a kick-ass week and we all we are all about the conversation if you're a coach or a parent or an athlete or anyone out there who wants to continue the conversation like uh, one of our biggest goals with this podcast is to talk about things that we don't think are talked about enough to to talk with people who maybe don't want to change their mind or who do want to see a change like we we want to be a voice in the community and we want to have great conversations and we're always open-minded so yeah have an amazing week we appreciate you guys